Hello? Hi. <laughs> Hi, beautiful people. My name is Alicia Renice, and I'm so happy that you are here for the Love Letter Project. This is a project aimed at encouraging, loving on, amplifying, just supporting and encouraging Black women to love themselves, to love each other, um, to remember what they forgot, that they matter, that they're loved, that they're beautiful, they're enough, that they're brilliant, all the good things, all the good things they are. Um, and today I want to start off with a deep breath. If you want to breathe with me, take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth and out. Doesn't breathing feel good? <laughs> breathing just feels so good. Taking a deep breath. Sometimes I forget to deep breathe, to, de to deeply breathe. <laughs> Sometimes I forget to deeply breathe. And when I remember to breathe deep, it just, it feels so nourishing and so good. So I want to start off this episode with gratitude. I want to share gratitude for my ancestors, for my elders, my ancestors who are living, those who have passed on, for their wisdom, the stories they told, whether with their mouths, whether with words, or whether with actions. I want to I'm grateful for the people that I come from. I'm grateful for the people who helped raise me, whose lives left an imprint on my life for the rest of my life, and I carry their legacy with me and everywhere I go. Um, I'm grateful for my elders. I'm grateful for my ancestors. And I hope to one day be a good elder and potentially a good ancestor. And the only way that I know how to be a good elder is because I've seen other people being elders. And we're going to talk about that too, like what it means to be an elder in community. I have some friends I want to interview about that. So we'll hold off that conversation for a little bit. But I also want to share gratitude and express gratitude for my September patrons. Thank you so much to Harriet, Whitney B., Nita Salim, Cece, Yolo XOXO, Maya Spikes, Aichi Kamara, Stephanie Smith, Vicky Joseph, Just T, Shay, Victoria Graham, Tori Dahl, Samara, Kira Crosby, Lisa Johnson, and Ty M. Thank you all so much for your support. You all help this dream machine keep going. You're helping me to spread this message, this, this podcast, everything, all the art that I create to the world. So shout out to y'all. You all are literal saints. Thank you. And if you would like to be a saint as well, a patron, um, please check me out on patreon.com forward slash Alicia Renice. Um, there you can get early access to all my podcasts, basically everything else I create that people don't really see. Um, you get early access to my music, my writing and process, all those good things. So thank you so much for seeing me and supporting me. And I hope to see you there. And if even if you can't join, I still appreciate you. Thank you. Okay, so I wanted to start a series honoring my ancestors. I am grateful. I'm, I'm blessed to be able to know so many ancestors who have transitioned on and they haven't left without leaving a message or leaving um, a lesson with their with their lives, with their lives, and even in transitioning to their death. Um, and the first person I want to start off with this episode is my Aunt Eunice. My Aunt Eunice is my grandmother's sister, and she recently transitioned two months ago. She actually coded right before her birthday, and she stayed alive to see her birthday through. She turned 90 years old and a week later she was gone. Um, and it still is heartbreaking to me. It's still, so if I cry, it's okay. Um, I just miss her and that just means that I love her. Um, but she left, she left a lot of wisdom that I want to share with you. And these are just lessons from my ancestors. I think that's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> lessons from my ancestors. And I hope that this allows you to maybe sit and reflect on the ancestors in your own life or your elders, even those who are still alive. Uh, maybe the ancestors who have passed on, what lessons did they leave with you? What did they teach you? What did they show you? Um, and for your elders who are still living, what can you still learn from them? What have you learned from them? Can you show them gratitude? Can you sit at their feet and just like ask them questions about their lives and how they how they moved and maneuvered through some things, you know, that may have been like soul crushing to us? 
it's really interesting because a lot of elders don't really upfront share their story. But if you ask the right questions, you'll get the right answers. And it makes me sad because here in the West, we don't really honor our elders. We don't. We don't honor our elders. We don't honor our ancestors. You know, with the West, it's almost like they cut off, you know, they cut us off from the tree that we grow from. And so it teaches us that our elders are not important. You know, they they treat our elders like they are a nuisance, just like they treat children or people who are poor or people who are on the fringes of society that they deem on the fringes. They don't honor them. And a lot of other cultures, the elders are the rock stars. They're the one with the stories, the answers, the wisdom. Like they've been here, like just that thought. They've been here longer than us. <laughs> they've seen some things. There was a woman this morning that I looked at on Instagram and she was talking to a news reporter and she's just praising God, like sitting in her seat, just praising God. And there was something about her shouting glory, like glory, like that really uh, captured me. It rocked me to my soul because I believe her. I believe that she's seen some things. I believe that she's lived through some things, right? Some things that she may not ever tell. You know what I mean? But I hope that her family are sitting at her feet and asking her those questions because it, the her shouting shouting to God was piercing, like it's soul piercing. And that's what we're missing. Nothing is sacred here. Nothing is sacred under capitalism, under white supremacy, and within the West. Like nothing is sacred. But our elders, our ancestors are sacred. They are a part of us. We are made up of them. Like we're living in these bodies, in these in these bodies that have, you know, endured some things in our own lives, but have also gathered things from the ancestors who came before us. We've inherited things from our ancestors, even trauma. Like there are studies done on this. We inherit trauma from our ancestors. How can we even be fully developed, fully actualized people while being disconnected from the people who actually gave us life? That's crazy, right? It's crazy. And it's also spiritual. It's so spiritual, like... We are living because somebody else lived. We are living because someone else loved, someone else tried, someone else came, like overcame something. Like that's why we're here. And so I'm hoping that this series encourages you to seek your own elders for their stories, their histories, their advice, and maybe their stories can give you a leg up. And I think that's the thing that we're missing because we don't honor our ancestors. We're starting from zero all the time. Every generation starts from zero because someone won't share a story or someone won't listen to a story. Someone won't inquire or ask or someone throws away a person because they are aging. Ageism is a huge issue in this country. It's so hard getting back to the sacred here because nothing is sacred here. Nothing is held sacred here. They destroy anything that is held sacred by anybody unless they're white, unless they're white men. And so I really want us to get to know ourselves by getting to know the people who came before us because they are worthy of your attention. They're worthy of your time. They're worthy of you listening to their stories, of their pain, of their triumphs, of their joys, right? And also when you get those stories from them, you also get stories for yourself. Oh, that's why, like, that's why. I did a video a while ago talking about my sensitivity. And I feel like one of the reasons why I'm so sensitive is because of the pain and the anguish and the frustration, the, the, the lamenting that my ancestors did not get to do. My grandmother was born 1928. My great-grandmother was born 1912. I knew both of them. My grandfather was born 1911, and I knew all of them. And that is so much life. There's so much life in there. And with all the, the, the social constructs of what manhood is and what, what it is to be a Black woman, right? What that means to be a masculinized Black woman, that's a whole other thing, right? There are certain things that my, that my elders did not get to express, did not get to cry out, or did not get to be angry about because they had to survive. And I think I've inherited so many feelings because 
I'm healing through feeling. I'm healing through mourning and grieving and all these different things because my ancestors did not get a chance to do that, especially my enslaved ancestors. When you're running on survival, like you don't get time to process these things. You know what I mean? So I feel like there's there's a spiritual reason why I am so sensitive, why I care so much about history. I am I am my family's historian. I care. Like I'm asking the questions because I don't want our legacy, the lessons, the wisdom to get lost, you know, seeing other things as important when they're really not that important. What is important is my family. What is important is this legacy, these stories, and even the things that we're ashamed of. I have a grandfather on my on my dad's side who I've never met. I've never met this man. I know that he was a mean man. He wasn't very kind. He was abusive. I know this, but this is also important to understand how my father is acting, not to make excuses for him, but to understand where he comes from and why he acts the way he acts and what to look for even in my own self, even in my own story, because stories repeat themselves when you don't get the lesson. You know what I mean? So anyway, there's a lot there and we'll get to that in a second. But today I want to highlight my Aunt Eunice. So like I said, my Aunt Eunice transitioned two months ago, and she left me with a lot of wisdom. And the first thing that she left me with is live until you die. So towards the end of her life, my Aunt Eunice had dementia and she would repeat herself and she would get caught in these loops of saying the same thing over and over again. But I would have conversations with her to kind of help her get out of these loops and to talk about something new, Um, just because I thought that it might help with her memory. It might help with Um, Her not feeling so anxious when she realizes that she doesn't know how she got somewhere. She doesn't know when she's going home or she doesn't know where her keys are because she never had the keys with herself. Um, But I would ask her questions about her life and she would tell me stories about her life, very intimate things that I, you know, will keep sacred. But one thing that stood out to me was she kept saying, I plan on living until I die. I plan on living until I die. My, My Aunt Eunice was 89 years old, still walking, talking, cracking up. Um, having conversations. And even in her deathbed, she lived until she died. After she coded, um, we came to visit her and she was not there. She was sedated. And then I came back the next day and she's talking. She's talking like nothing happened. She's making jokes. Um, She wasn't all the way there, but she was there enough to be her spicy self. And no matter if she was in the bed, no matter if she was over somebody's house or in her home, or just out and about, she was living. If somebody called her and asked her, hey, you want to hang out? Yes, <laughs> she's she's coming. Um, do you want to, you know, go eat? Yes, I'll go eat. You know, like my Aunt Eunice lived and she lived such a full life and she did not stop living until she died. She would always say, you know, I'm here for his plan and his purpose, talking about God. And whatever his plan and his purpose is, that's what I'm here for. You know, he's kept me all these years. I'm 90 years old. I'm grateful for what I have, you know? And I feel like one of the reasons why she kept her so long is, to, is so that I could get those stories selfishly saying, obviously there are other things that she did, but like to remind me to live, to live until I die. I plan on living until I die. You know, and I got that from my Aunt Eunice. So thank you, Aunt Eunice. Right before we left um, from seeing her, before she passed, she was herself. She was making demands. (laughs) She was being my Aunt Eunice, the Aunt Eunice that I know and remember. When she saw videos of her great-grandchildren, she lit up, she got excited Um, I don't know what she experienced physically in the last, you know, moments of her life, but even towards the end of her life, she said, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to wear an oxygen mask anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. And she stood her ground and she transitioned in a way that she wanted to transition. You know, she didn't want to suffer anymore. Um, and it reminds me of my grandmother right before she passed away. She, she actually passed of cancer and towards the end of her life, she, she had a do not resuscitate. And I don't know what that's like to reach that moment in your life to be like, 
you know what? I've seen enough. I've done it all. I'm tired. I'm tired. And one thing that I love about the way that my Aunt Eunice and my grandmother transitioned is that they transitioned on their own terms. They lived life on their own terms. They did what they wanted to do. They were stubborn. They were steadfast. They were resolute. You know, they did what they wanted to do. There were so many of us who wanted them to stay around forever. You know, there, there's that selfish want, that desire. No matter how much our elders are suffering, we want to have them near us for forever. We want to have them with us as long as possible. But what I love is that they took agency over their own lives and said, you know what, I'm done. I've done what I needed to do. You know, I have run run this race. Like, you know, I, like they always say in church, I've run this race. I finished, you know, and and well done. I've done enough. Um, So I honor both of them in the way that they transitioned. On a lighter note, another thing my Aunt Eunice taught me was to treat yourself. You deserve the good stuff, okay? My Aunt Eunice used to go to Macy's, run it up, all right? There was nothing that she denied herself. Whatever she wanted, she got. Um, And I love that for her. I love that she did not deny herself. There are so many things that I deny myself because I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to do too much. Or, you know, is this is this a responsible spend? Is this, you know, the best way to spend my money? And for her, she was like, does it make me happy? Then I'm spending my money on it, <laughs> you know? Does it do do I look good in these clothes and I'm getting these clothes, right? She did not limit her capacity for joy and for pleasure and luxury, okay? She was the queen of the good stuff. And she did not deny herself of the good stuff because she deserved it. And and it really showed me like you know, in her home she has all these things and of course she says, "Well, I can't take it with me." She would always say that, like I have all this stuff, but I can't take it with me, you know? Um and we'll get into that in a second. But what I also loved is that while she was here, she lived, right? She lived, she enjoyed, she she made this life as pleasurable as possible for herself. There are ugly things that my Aunt Eunice endured in her life, but when it came to her and loving herself and treating herself, listen, she denied herself nothing, okay? She went, she wanted for nothing. Like she, I don't care how anybody else is treating me, I'm gonna treat me nice. I'm gonna give myself the best stuff. And she did, she did, and she made no apologies for it. And I love that about her. Another lesson I learned from Aunt Eunice is that you can have all these things, right? But what you really want is community. Towards the end of her life, you know, in her dementia, she would say things like, you know, how come you never visit me? Knowing we just, not knowing that we just came to visit her, you know, last weekend or the month before, you know, you never visit me. And she would talk about how lonely she was and how lonely she was in this house. Her husband had passed on, I want to say like maybe 20 years before she, before she passed. And she was lonely. She was in the house you know, with all these things that she bought, but she was lonely and she didn't really have recollection of people visiting her. Um, But I knew in my heart that she was lonely. She wanted to belong to community and community was something that she desired. And before COVID happened, she was in, you know, these, these programs, she was working at a school, she was around a lot of people. But when COVID hit, everyone suffered, especially the elders in our communities. They didn't have their community anymore. And so while we were trying to keep them safe, the elders, right, there was there was connection that they were lacking. There was community that they were missing. And I think that actually aided in her decline because she wasn't able to be around the people and to feel uh, belonging. She wasn't able to feel like she was actually making an impact. So my Aunt Eunice, even though she retired, she went back to work because she liked feeling important and needed and helpful, you know? And so I think towards the end of her life, that really wore on her, that loneliness, because, you know, everybody was in the house. So one thing that taught me was to keep community close. And to be fair, my Aunt Eunice grew up in community. <laughs> like our family, everyone lived down the street from each other. So everybody had somebody. 
And, and it makes me sad. It grieves me because community is not really spoken of like that. Everybody's very individualistic. We feel like we can do everything ourselves. You know, we pull ourselves up our own bootstraps, blah, blah, blah. But my Aunt Eunice grew up in a time where everybody knew everybody and everybody was connected to everybody in some sort of way. The friends that passed on like months before she passed, they were friends for forever. And her friends were like in their 90s. <laughs> like these are long standing relationships. And that really brought me joy to see them whenever they saw each other. It was all love. Like they were so excited to see each other and catch up with each other and to gossip and to fuss with one another. And it really showed me that community really is a pillar that is huge in my own life, whether that be family or platonic friends, romantic partners, whatever it is, community is such a gift. And it's something that I do treasure and cherish and I hold dear to me. And she held it dear to her throughout her entire life. And that is so honorable of her. So I honor my Aunt Eunice. Another lesson I got from my Aunt Eunice was to put other people on when you get put on, okay? My Aunt Eunice worked for a place called Prudential and that was my mother's first job. And so my Aunt Eunice put my mother on to get her her first job. And to this day, my mother is still grateful for Aunt Eunice doing that for her. My aunt did not hoard opportunities. She did not keep things secret or close to her chest. She wanted to share the wealth with everybody. She wanted everybody to do well and everyone to come up. I think even her son, I found out that she put on to his job as well. Wherever she was, she pulled strings for the people that she loved and knew because she wanted them to do well. And that is actually antithetical to what we see today. Like a lot of people don't put other people on. We're hoarding everything. We're so selfish. (laughs) We are so selfish. We want to have everything ourselves. And it's like, you got to figure it out on your own because I figured it out on my own. No, she had the cheat code. If I'm here, you're going to be here too. If I'm doing well, you can do well too. And so that was something that I take from my Aunt Eunice and I will carry with me for the rest of my days. She never let anybody be left behind. Another lesson I got from my Aunt Eunice is to love God and love God, let it be personal. Love God in my own way. So my Aunt Eunice was married to a preacher, and she is not what you would consider the, I don't know, the description of a first lady. She was the first lady, but she wasn't doing all that hooping and hollering. She wasn't in a lot of stuff. You know, she was kind of to herself. And some people would see that and be like, okay, you're not really doing the duty of a first lady. But she was like, nah, like me and God are good. We have our own relationship. (laughs) And my relationship don't have to look like your relationship. And that's fine. And she was confident in her relationship with God. She had a very close and intimate and personal relationship with God. She was praying all the time, but it didn't look like what other people would praise as being a first lady, right? A lot of people are about show with their relationship with God. It's about these people must see that I'm so holy and I'm, you know, honor me. I'm fasting and praying and I'm raising my hands and I'm dancing around the church. And I'm and if you're doing that, that's fine, right? If that feels authentic to you. But for some people, it's a show. It's a show. My Aunt Eunice was not about no show. She's not doing all that. <laughs> she's, she's not going to pretend for you to make you feel good about her place and her position in this church, right? And so I can imagine the pressure that she felt with like going to all these church programs and doing all this stuff, right? And not looking the type. But my Aunt Eunice was secure in who she was. She was secure in who God was to her. She was secure in her relationship with God. And I love that. I love that she was authentically herself. No matter what anybody said, she loved God her own way. And she knew that God loved her. Even until that time we visited her in the hospital towards the end of her days, we were talking to her and she just kept praying. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Like just kept praying, thanking God, thanking God for, I don't even know what she was thanking God for. I imagine in my mind that she's thanking God for bringing her through 90 years of life. All the things that she's told me that she's seen and she's endured and all the things that she doesn't 
tell other people all the things that she's that she's seen that she's been healed from and she would always tell us the story about how when she was younger she almost died and God kept her you know that faith that faith that that knowing that security like I want to know what that feels like to be that secure in God that secure in my faith that secure in myself like this is who I am love it or love me or hate me okay this is who I am you going to get it you going to get what you get you know and I think that does come with like growing older I think as people get older they start to care less about what people think. I know I am, and I'm only in my 30s. But this woman was 90 years old when she passed. And she left such a legacy, such an imprint on my life and the lives of so many other people. And when she passed, there was such a sorrow because she was the last person from that generation. She was the matriarch of our family. And so I'm mourning her, but I'm also mourning my my granny, who was her mother. I'm mourning my grandmother, who was her sister. I'm mourning, I'm mourning my pop-pop, who was her brother-in-law, my grandmother's husband. I'm mourning my Uncle Carl, you know, my my grandmommy, my granddaddy, just so many like people in my life who I thought would be there forever. And this is when I feel like I'm going to cry. And it kind of feels like you can't go on without them. Um, and I think this is helping me grieve. So thank you for journeying with me and grieving with me. But it feels like you can't go on with what am I supposed to do without you here? Like, who am I supposed to be? And I think it's important that we honor our ancestors. You know, even as believers, we've been told that you know, honor, honoring the ancestors is somehow demonic. And I'm just like, how ugly and blasphemous, like how evil it is to say something like that, to honor our ancestors, the people who came before us, we're just supposed to forget that they ever existed. You know what I mean? Like that's very like, it's very white. And what's ironic about that is that white folks don't forget their ancestors, right? <laughs> they, they, they honor that. They, they use that to oppress people. They weaponize their history to oppress people and tell you that your history and your ancestors don't matter. And even to believers, to Christians who read the Bible, what are y'all talking about? The ancestors don't matter when ancestors are listed in the Bible. Like when we're talking about even Jesus, for example, they go all the way back to Adam. Why does, why does Jesus's lineage and ancestry matter and not yours, right? And with every ancestor that is mentioned in the Bible, there's a story there. There's a history there. There's there's a richness there that, that that Jesus was able to benefit from. And then so we're able to benefit because Jesus benefited us, right? In the same way, there's so many lessons from our ancestors that we don't have, not for any fault of our own, but because they stole our language, our history, our oral tradition, right? They they said that oral tradition doesn't count. You have to be literate. That's a whole other thing, right? And and um one thing you're not going to tell me is that a person is not a text. It's not a holy and sacred text. A person's life is a holy and sacred text. Their body is a holy and sacred text. And we can use that text to ground us in what is reality, to ground us into what is truth, what is honorable, what is lovely, all these things. God wastes nothing. So how dare I waste the life of my ancestors? How dare I? So how can you honor your ancestors better? Name them. There are people on my um, on my tree that I'm trying to put together with Ancestry.com. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. And it's hard work because obviously people didn't care about Black folks. <laughs> they didn't care about your name. They care about the money you made them. So trying to find their history is already difficult, right? But name them. There are people on my tree I've never met, but I'm speaking their names because they matter. They make they make up who I am and their stories matter. They're, there are stories that never got to be told because they were told it doesn't matter. They matter to me. And I'm even showing God, thank you for my ancestors, naming them, remembering them putting them back together, like talking about them, just like I'm talking about them on this podcast. Get together with friends and family and share the stories of your ancestors. You're putting the pieces of them back together. You're helping them to continue to live on. 
through you, through storytelling, through how you show up in the world. Apply the, the, the lessons they taught you to your own life. Like my Aunt Eunice did, right? My Aunt Eunice's lesson, and these are lessons that you can benefit from too. Don't deny yourself of the good stuff you're deserving. You're worthy of it. I don't care how people treat you. I don't care how the world sees you. You're worthy of the good stuff, right? Love God in your own way. It doesn't have to look one way. As long as you and God are good, you're good. You're good. And live until you die. Don't die because you're getting older. Don't die because somebody says that you can't do something. Don't kill your own dreams. Live a full life until you actually pass on. I don't plan on dying until I die. I plan on living until I die because of my Aunt Eunice. Put other people on when you get put on. Your your family, your friends, your community, when you do well, everybody should be doing well with you. These are lessons that are able to be carried on because I'm telling their stories. Remember them. A question for you, right? What was what was it about them that you remember? What do you, do you remember their scent, the way that they spoke, the energy that you felt around them, how they made you feel? What do you remember? What powers do they have? And this is kind of this is a question for myself. Like I feel like my aunt Eunice, the power that she has was like like just the power of like regality. I don't even know. <laughs> just like she has such a regalness about her. Just like a a steadfastness and a regalness, like, like I am somebody. And that resonated with other people. It made other people feel like they had to shrink, right? But it also made you feel like, you know what? Let me step into this power too. She allowed people to feel that power. And so for your own ancestors, I ask you to write a list of the ones that have passed on. Write a list of the elders that you have now. Do not, do not take them for granted, y'all. They are, they are gold. <laughs> They're gold. I don't care what this world tells you about our elders and, you know, we should be chasing this. And this is the version of, ask your elders, talk to them, ask them stories. Like they might get annoyed, right? But they also might be, they also might feel seen. There are so many elders who don't feel seen because they're not held as important or sacred. Ask them the questions. You might get some surprising answers. Talking to my family recently around my Aunt Eunice's death, we all came together for the funeral. And so we're sitting with family over dinner, you know, with family from all over the country, like just family sitting together and mourning together and telling stories. And me and my husband are sitting on the floor, just like taking in all these stories, learning new versions of, of uncles and aunts that I never met before, versions that existed before I even entered this earth, right? Like, and hearing their stories and, and their history and seeing the string that weaves all that together, how a lot of people's stories are the same, no matter where they were. There's something to that, right? There's something to that, how all of us were born with a gift in some way. And we all kind of share that gift together. It doesn't get diluted. It gets stronger. But we have to come back to our roots to get that strength. You feel me? Sometimes we're always looking outwards, trying to find the thing. And sometimes that thing is in us or above us, as in like the tree. You know, the person above us, our parents, our grandparents, our cousin. And when we come together, we all have pieces of this person that we remember. I had this experience with her. I had this experience with her or them or, you know, whatever. We come together and we put those pieces together and create a whole picture that we couldn't have seen. We only get flecks of, I only got flecks of my Aunt Eunice. You know, the hours I, the hours and the years that I had with her were not long, but they were impactful. And so when I hear the stories of my aunts and my uncles and my mother and, and my cousins and, and all those pieces get put together, we have a whole diamond. We have a whole gem that we're all able to experience abundance with, right? Yeah, like, yes, it's not money, but it's worth more than money. 
It's lessons I can take with me for the rest of my life. And hopefully if and when I have kids or whether I'm in community, whether I'm talking to y'all, you all are able to benefit from these lessons and these gems as well. Let us keep remembering and honoring our ancestors. October is an interesting month because it's the month of my great-grandmother's birthday and she and I were best friends. I'll probably do her next. And November 1st is the birthday of my papa, my grandfather. Um, so this is an interesting time. Fall, there's a lot of death happening in my in my friends' lives, in my family's lives, and it's tough. It's difficult. Um, we're letting go or releasing people that we never thought would not be here anymore. And that's, it's heavy. It's sad. But they continue to live on through us, through our storytelling, through our living. Um, they're able to keep on living. So keep on living, keep living, keep sharing. I love you. I see you. And if you got to cry, cry, I'm going to cry after this. Um, but I love you, Aunt Eunice. Thank you, Aunt Eunice. I honor you, Aunt Eunice. I miss you. I love you, Aunt Eunice. And I'll talk to y'all later. All right. Bye.